This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick, and Monday means EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? I'm good. It's uh, I guess you know we can just scrap the rest of the regular season. It's we're after Thanksgiving, so things are pretty much set, right? <laughs> or, or we're just battling for seating at this point, right? No, I don't. I don't know about that. But, uh, yeah, I guess there is. Some, you know, let's face it: the teams that have put that have given themselves a little bit of a cushion are in a great spot. And the teams, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that are right around the edges, you know, as I look at the Eastern Conference standings, for example, today. I mean, the Capitals and Islanders are each a point out of a playoff spot. Capitals have a couple of games in hand. Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Montreal are three points back. I mean, like, you know, the Devils, I think, are going to play better. They're four points back. So there's, you know, that's just in the East and you go in the West, it's a similar story. And I think that the, the dividing line in the West, I was reading some notes this morning, one of one of which was from one of my NHL Network colleagues, Mike Kelly, who does a really good job in analytics and numbers. He's part of that sports logic group that does really a, that provides a lot of great data for us at the, at the network and, and for teams around the league and for different media groups. And, you know, the point he was making was that in the West this year, the, the cutoff, Seemingly, based on just the mathematical equation of how teams, where teams are now, and what they'll have to do moving forward, is is uh, for like ninety-two points, and it was a higher number last year. So, you know, to your point, yeah, I mean, that's. I think it's great to have a cushion and great to have gotten off to a great start, but it's so close in this league. I mean, in, in the West, it's the same story. I mean, Seattle has the last spot right now. But they're only one point yeah. ahead of Nashville and Arizona, two points ahead of Calgary, three points together of Anaheim. And then, you know, and Edmonton is, is looming. Even though they've gotten off to this terrible start, they've played a little better of late. They've won two in a row. They, they beat the, the stuffing out of the Ducks last night. And, uh, you know, they're only six points back of Seattle. And they have two games in hand on the Kraken. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to watch, as it always is. You know, yeah. Teams are close. Teams, people get players get hurt. Teams underperform. I mean, that's just the nature of things. It's kind of tongue in cheek, uh, but uh, just just to get it out of the way because it kind of became a viral thing. Uh, over the weekend because the Rangers and Bruins played in the afternoon was the Truba incident on on Frederick. And if you look at one angle, it looks awful. Look at another angle, it looks like Truba's kind of falling. Uh, Truba addressed it today and said um, it, it can't happen. Saw the video of it and didn't look good. Got to control my stick better. Take the fine and move on. He got a $5,000 fine, no suspension. You've got people that I respect. Should be 25 games. Truba gets a reaction, EJ, just plain and simple. Um, The fact that Boston didn't react, I mean, that was a a crazy game. A lot of goals. You called it. I did the pre and post for it. You know, that was the kind of game where I I, I think that if – you know, logic would tell you that if something malicious had taken place, I don't think Frederick would be, would shy away from you know an altercation with Truba. I just think that everybody kind of on the ice felt it was an accident. Most of it went kind of unnoticed. I was surprised, and Anthony was as well. The reaction it got several hours after the game. I mean, I, I saw it. It was kind of tough to tell what happened, but the lack of reaction from Boston kind of told me that they didn't think it was that big of a deal. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, we're calling the game off the monitor in our studio in Secaucus, so, like, and you're right, it was a it was a, a, a kind of crazy game and there was a lot of goals. I've never seen a game down, by the way, where, where coaches, where both coaches called a timeout in the first period. Never saw it. I don't remember seeing a game like <laughs> right. that. I asked Bruce Boudreau, who's my colleague now that coached a thousand games in the NHL. He, does, he never was part of that. He doesn't remember it, but... So maybe somebody will do that research, listening, and, and figure out if it ever happened. But, you know, so it was a kind of a crazy game. Calling off the monitor, you get that flat view, right? It's not like it's, uh, you know, a full view of being in the building. So I knew something happened at the net. But there was no reaction, really, by anyone. Um, you know, and, and Trent Frederick is not a shrinking violet. So, I mean, right, exactly. the guy who's... He's been involved in, in different things in his career. And so there was just no reaction there. There was no penalty called. There was no reaction by Frederick. Other, but I just knew that something had happened because it just didn't look right. But because there was no reaction, we just moved on in the play. And then afterwards, subsequently, you see this video that's on Twitter of a particular angle, which certainly makes it look very, very very bad. There's no doubt about it. There's no, there's no hiding that. that. That angle. You can see other angles where it looks a little different. I think that in that moment, the you know the, the, the guys got tied up somehow. Cuba stick came around hard. Luckily for Trent Frederick, he was not injured on the play as far as we know. And uh, like I said, in the aftermath of the game itself, I don't think anybody was talking no. about like in the, in the post-game, I don't think anybody was running to Trent Frederick or any of the Bruins or any of the Rangers and asking about this. It was just the one, the clip from that particular angle became uh, one out there. There was a lot of discussion on Twitter about it. Uh, I will say right up front, I'm not the biggest defender of Jacob Truba. I think there are times he takes advantage of, uh, of players, vulnerable players in situations, but this is hockey and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard game and you know what? He's there to answer the bell when people want to challenge him. So, you know that's the nature of things. So I'm not going to. I'm not someone that would normally sit here and be a defender uh, for the Ranger captain. But in this case, I, you know, again, I think there's a lot of different angles to look at it, and that one is particularly bad. I think Jacob took the right approach. Hey, listen, I do think you got to control your stick a little better. There's no question about that. Luckily, no one's hurt. I think it's always a big deal when a guy gets fined by the league because it's only a five thousand dollar fine, and everybody says, "Oh, that's you know, that's really not much punishment for guys who make millions of dollars," which is true. But remember, the NHL and the NHL negotiate as part of the CBA. Uh, this is the maximum amount that they could find. So, if you want to blame the NHL, I think you have to also talk to people at the Players Association and ask why. They don't want to negotiate a higher number, and the answer is obvious because they have to defend the perpetrator as well as the victim in these circumstances. So, um, luckily, at the end of the day, for me, I'm just really happy that Trent Frederick uh, was not injured, at least not that we know of. And, uh, you know, Trubus, if he would have got a game suspension or even two games, I, I'm not going to, I would not have been sitting here being, uh, feeling he was, he was wrong because it's just, to hit him up high, but um, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and hopefully everybody's okay. And you know, the Department of Player Safety—they take their—you know—they're looking at everything. And you know, if Jacob Truba gets involved in another incident down the road, this is something that is on record now, so that would impact any potential punishment 
if there were one based on another mm-hmm. situation that could happen moving forward. So, like I said, the NBA, luckily, Trent Frederick wasn't hurt. Yeah, and Trent Frederick not one to shy away from mixing it up. So if he obviously felt that he was wronged in some way, yeah. I would think he would do something. And uh, Truba also said uh, today that uh, he apologized to Frederick right away. So maybe that's why we didn't see yeah. the outcry from the Bruins, the outcry from, from people in the game, because I guess Truba said it was an accident, Frederick believed him, and they moved on, and the league did feel it was punishable enough to give him that, that $5,000 fine. But EJ, about the game, and you called it... Um, this team is without one of the best defensemen in the league, let alone their best defenseman in Adam Fox, one of their top nine forwards in Filipino, and for a time they were without their best goaltender in Igor Shosturkin, although you can make the argument this year Jonathan Quick is playing better than Igor on the young season. Are you surprised, given that all this team did is change the coach from Gerard Gallant to Peter Laviolette and add some, I would say, what people believe to be ancillary pieces on their fourth line and third line and with Gustafson being as good as he is probably the steal of free agency for what he cost them that they're playing so well this year um, well you know what you mentioned Anthony right ancillary pieces right and like in this game the puzzle the puzzle is so hard to put together yeah finish things off you know and I felt like the Rangers last year and I like the team going into last year. I thought they had a team that could go to the Stanley Cup final. I mean, when you look at their players, they've got a great goaltender. They've got, uh, you know, even going back to last year, a great, great goaltender, depth at defense, uh, you know, really some high-end, high-end forwards. But I think what they were missing was definition throughout their roster. And when, you know, and I think Chris really did it. You know, we'll see how it plays out. It's a long season. And, and, and you know, right now they, they look as good as anybody in this league. So, but I, I just think adding those veteran guys like a Benino and, and like a Wheeler and, and like a Pitlick, it, it just like kind of gives definition to your roster. It rounds it out more. Those guys are really experienced guys. I mean, Blake Wheeler's never won a Stanley Cup. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of urgency in his mm-hmm. game and at this stage of his career. And, uh, you know, Nick Benino has won a couple of times, but it's been a while. And, you know, he's just a veteran player. Those are the kind of guys that, you know, that, so when the boat rocks at certain part of the se- parts of the season, which it inevitably will, you know, you're going to hit some choppy water. Like, those guys don't, you know, they don't get flustered. They've seen it before. They've done it before. So I think those guys are really good pieces to an already really strong roster. And, you know, then you bring in somebody like, you know, Will Cooley comes in. And, you know, I've been really impressed with that young guy. I thought, I thought the other day, you know, uh, uh, Lindgren got hit hard along the wall by Jared, uh, by Garnet Hathaway. He jumped right in, got into it with Hathaway. Hathaway's a big man. He, he grabbed, he threw Hathaway over at the end of that encounter. Mm. And, uh, you know, so you have some veterans there. You added a young piece to the puzzle. Um, you got you added Jonathan Quick, who's, as you point out, has been very good, Anthony, and so far. Although, I mean, I thought Shesterkin put on an absolute clinic on Friday against the Flyers, oh, particularly yeah. with the way he handled the puck. I mean, I just thought he just was was terrific in that game. I mean, and, and you know, when Peter Laviolette comes in, and he's got a history of doing you know good things in his first year with teams. He's got a lot of experience. He brings a lot of emotion. Too. I mean, not that, that Gerard had a lot of emotion as well, but I think Peter brings like a little different kind of emotion to the table, and 
you know, he's won a Stanley Cup. He's been to the final with three different teams. I, I, I just, I mean, I'll tell you what, they, they look damn good right now. And then yeah. Lafreniere is playing well. I mean, there's not much going wrong. And as you point out, they're missing Fox, they're missing Edel. And in the game against Boston, the other day where they scored seven goals, you know, they played with uh, with Jonathan Crick, who's their number two goalie. So it's it's been very impressive so far. It'll be fascinating again to see if they can keep it up throughout the whole regular season into the playoffs. Is uh, Quick a Hall of Famer? He is for me. I mean, he's won uh, he's won two three Stanley Cups. Two as a starter. He's won a Conn Smythe. He's been uh, one of the very best at his position uh, throughout his career. You know, especially in the earlier parts of his career with LA. He, especially with how things are going right now, I mean, he may be able to pass. Ryan Miller for wins, all-time wins by an American-born goalie. I believe he's ten back right now. He's got he's got the record for shutouts by an American-born goalie with sixty. Uh, so yeah, for me, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree, and I think you know I don't know how many wins he'll get the rest of this year. I I doubt very seriously he can get to four hundred this season unless something happened to Shesterkin, but yeah. he's probably playing his way into being a backup somewhere next year, and if he gets to 400 wins, yeah, I agree. I know it's um, it it doesn't strike you the way it does with Marc-Andre Fleury and Henrik Lundqvist, but if you really dig deep inside, I mean, those two cups, he was a major reason for that, and then to be able to get Absolutely. back off the mat after it looked like those lower body injuries was going to end his career, and he didn't have a great camp with the Rangers, and now you know, he's 5-0-1, you know, it's uh, it's pretty impressive, and he deserves, uh, I, I think, those accolades when he decides to end his career. Yeah, he's such a unique goaltender in the way he plays. Uh, he's not like, he doesn't play kind of like the guys that have been playing for the last... Uh, you know, 20, 30 years, he plays a little differently. He's yes. such a, an unbelievable athlete. The other day, he kind of did a 360 spin in his crease, kind of to get back on the spot. He ended up making a save. I think it was on Danton Heinen from the slot. Uh, he's played well. He's obviously being supported well by a, a really good team in front of him. Um, but, you know, I also wonder, like, what the impact of Benoit Lair has been on Jonathan Quick. Because Benoit Lair has been, like, the goalie whisperer for a long time. Now he's been blessed. Oh, yeah. And now he has Igor Shosturkin. But remember, he also, you know, made a lot, you know, helped Cam Talbot in his career. Mm -hmm. And uh, there have been many others that have come through that spot uh, in behind either Henrik or Igor. And he has been, uh, you know, they've had guys that have come in and done very well. Auntie Ronta came in and played very well. Oh, they've always had the capable Rangers. backups a, there, EJ. Always had capable backups to hang. Exactly. Yeah, and I think part of that is the, really the good work of Benoit Lair working with goaltenders. So, you know, Jonathan Quick, it's been, it's, I'm really happy for him. He's a guy, he's a kid from Connecticut that grew up and made it to the National Hockey League and was an LA King and won cups and then got, was on part of the, you know, in kind of a strange way as the number two guy in Vegas last year. And to get to come home and play for his childhood team. I mean, no, it's, it's kind of a fairy tale story in a way because, uh, you know, I don't know how much longer he's going to continue to play, but, you know, this is certainly, uh, I think, for him, something that really means a lot to come in and be a New York Ranger. And I think he adds, I think we've talked about it before, you know, Igor Sisterkin is, is a terrific goaltender, but Jonathan Quick has been all the way to the end. He's raised that trophy three times, twice as a starter, and I think that uh, he will be a valuable resource throughout the season. 
for his partner, mm-hmm. Igor Shosturkin, who's one of the very best in the game. But still, like everyone, there's always things to learn. So uh, I think it was a very... It, it looks like it's a very good signing by, by Chris Drury. And as I mentioned, I think he made a number of, I think, very good signings in the offseason. For all the... Uh regime changes there's been, and there's been quite a few in Ben Wilder's tenure. It speaks to how good he is that every coach that has come through is totally fine with him still being uh, the goalie coach. Um, two teams, EJ, going in very different directions. Uh, last night, Red Wings beat the Wild 4-1. to Wild had 38 shots, only scored one goal. Uh, Detroit sitting in third in the Atlantic, tied with Florida for uh, in points, and the Wild have now lost two in a row. They're 2-6-2 two, and two in their last two. It seems like things are starting to turn around for the Red Wings and the Wild. Um, might be time for a change. Yeah, uh, it's been a struggle for the Minnesota Wild. There's no question about it this year. I mean, uh, they're, they're, on a, they're not on a really good trajectory right now, and uh, you know, I talked about it a couple weeks ago when, you know, I, I, I'm I have not been impressed with Dean Everson in these last couple of playoff runs, which has come mm. in decision and, and some of the way that he's handled situations in games where, you know, the Minnesota Wall take penalties and the, the constant complaining about the officiating. At the end of the day, that does you no good um, because you, you have to go kill penalties. Their penalty killing has been terrible this year. Their goaltending has been, has been down a notch from where it was last year. Gustafson hasn't been as good. Flurry's been okay. Um, you know, challenged because they got a lot of dead money in the system. Uh, you know, the good news is Marco Rossi is kind of finding his way. He was a high draft pick a couple of years ago, been dealing with you know illness and injury over the last couple of years. But uh, you know, for me, I, I don't know if that roster whether they made a coaching change or not. If it would matter, I don't think they're really they're really thick through the middle of their team. They don't have. There's kind of a big hole in the middle with the center position, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, the kid Matt Boldy is having a little bit of a tough start to the season. I think he's a really good player and he's going to be a really good player, but sometimes you go through stretches where you know it's not as easy. So I just don't think uh, you know the roster is necessarily great. Part of that is something they knew would happen because they took the bold step of buying out Parisi and Suter, and that has left them in this situation a little bit. They've got one more year after this to deal with it, but I, I haven't been impressed uh, with, with how they've been coached over the last couple of years and so you know, I don't know where it's going if Billy Garrett is going to make a move, but uh, you know, I think guys in, in in better situations have been let go in this circumstance. True. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, the, the the Wild when when Dean Everson was put into the job, I mean, Bruce Boudreau had really been had been the coach and had rallied in the second in the after a very slow start, and the Wild were playing well, and still Bruce got let go. And now, you know, Minnesota's off to a really, it's a real struggle, and they don't look like a playoff team right now. Um, we'll see what uh, what Billy Garrett decides to do, but it's a challenging time there. And like I said, the roster is, is limited because of the, the, the lack of center depth they have there. Now, to, to stick with the Wild, the whole Marc-Andre Fleury incident from over the weekend, he wanted to wear a mask celebrating the Native American culture, and of course because of the edict by the National Hockey League, of not doing those types of things, he was subject and the team subject to fine. And I like what Mark Andre Fleury did. All right, find me. I'm going to do it, and and, I, and I'm, I'm glad he yeah. did. And and he, and I don't like what the NHL is doing. EJ, I think it's a lazy way to handle things. Uh, this goes back to the uh, the Pride Nights and the jerseys. Uh, the way I look at it, EJ, is if you're James Reimer and you're against it, 
I, I give him credit. He said he was against it, right? Don't wear the jersey, all right? Why do I have to protect the minority that are anonymous and don't want to don't want to own it? You know, Mark Andre Fleury on the positive side, he wanted to own it, and he was willing to pay the fine for it and, and embarrass the NHL in the process. So. Uh, I know you don't like controversy and all that when you're a league, but you, you you decide to do something, and I thought that they caved for the, in a lot of cases, anonymous minority of people that ha- had a problem with it. Um, I don't want to get into whether that's right or wrong, but I do think it was wrong that the NHL caved, and I'm glad that Mark andre Fleury said, this is important to me, I'll pay the fine. Yeah, I think that, you know, really all I can say about it is if you have a strong belief about something and you want to do that and you put yourself out there I mean you're willing to pay the fine you're willing to pay the fine yeah so if there, you know and I don't even know what the fine is it seems like uh, things are on a case to case basis um, so I mean uh, you know it's kind of it is kind of crazy that we talk about it in this particular situation but it's kind of a one size all fits policy right now mm-hmm. But I do think if players are feel have a strong feeling about anything that uh, you know they want to move forward with, I guess it's uh, it's up to them to decide whether they want to do it and if they're willing to incur whatever penalties come with it. No, yeah. so, and- but every, every case is going to be different because you know this is a case where I think most reasonable people would be like, "That's silly. Why wouldn't you know? Why is that even an issue?" But there might be a case, I guess, when someone wants to uh, represent something that maybe isn't as appealing to everyone, and uh, you know, it might be different. I don't know. No. I think it's uh, it's a tricky world we live in right now. And um, at the end of the day, I think Mark Andre Fleury had a strong feeling about it. He went through with it. Good for Mark Andre Fleury. As for the league, yeah. they're going to have to try to continue to figure this out as we move forward. I, I, I don't understand. I, I know it's not aesthetically pleasing to see one or two people not wearing the jersey during the warm-ups or whatever, but, you know, hey, I, I don't want to get into that. If it's against your religion or your beliefs or what, you're entitled to have that freedom. And, and that freedom yeah. is then you don't wear the jersey. But you're going to have to handle the questions, and I don't feel like I need to protect you. If you don't like it, like I said, I don't agree with James Reimer's take, but I respected the fact that he said it was against his political beliefs to wear the jersey or his um, moral beliefs against to wear the jersey. He owned it. So why why do I have to then protect him? If he makes it known, then go out there and don't wear the jersey. I, I, I don't I really just thought it was lazy by the National Hockey League. I really do, especially yeah, something well, that's so important I, to Brian, Brian Burke and, and a lot of I just yeah. for that specifically, not that this is the same thing, but it kind of is because now everything has got lumped into that by the NHL sending the edict that they're not going to have any of those types of nights anymore, at least wearing jerseys and masks yeah, and representation. Yeah, I that think way. it's, well, you know, listen, it's been, it's been a little bit of uh Rough waters to navigate for the league and for the and for some of the players and and maybe for some of the owners. So I think uh, you know I got the sense the league is trying to protect some players, maybe ownership. It became mm-hmm. a distraction. At the end of the day, I mean, you know, people are going to have their opinions, right? And um, I think for the large part, when it came to the circumstances with Mark Andre Fleury, people were pretty much uh, on the same page. Yep. But again, you know, every, you know, he if let's say he had wanted to do something that had, you know, that people weren't in, in agreement with, who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, it's just, it's, it's, um, 
you know, just a reminder of a complicated world we live in where where we all have opinions and everybody knows about them now. And I want to live in that world, EJ. In. I mean, I, I don't. I think it's things are very polarizing right now. But we're going to agree yeah. to disagree. I mean, I consider you one of my okay, best I, friends. Listen, we don't I, agree I, on I everything. Agree with you, yeah, you know, I agree with you. I, I, I don't mind a world where we can agree to disagree, and you know, it's uh, that's just the nature of things. But uh, this is where we stand with this. And every time it happens now, when something comes along, it'll be a little, it'll be a, a, a blip on the radar. And I think the blip will be. Bigger or smaller, depending upon what the particular cause or background to the situation is. And, uh, you know, we move forward. Well, I think it's a story as much as we want to make it a story, right? If we want to focus on the handful or uh, minority of people who don't want to participate in these certain days or do certain things that the rest of the league isn't doing or is doing, we can do that. Or we could focus on the people that want to highlight these things for the positive rather than the negative uh, and try to make that the story. But um, we know that uh, negativity sells more than positivity. So that's probably uh, where we're going to go with that one. EJ, we were, me and Don were talking about our fun Thanksgiving barometer, and we talked about it earlier, and we talked about it on Wednesday. Don had the take, and I wonder how you feel about this, that the West is already set. Not necessarily for um, where they're all going to wind up, but the eight teams on American Thanksgiving that were in the playoffs, Stars, Avalanche, Jets, Vegas, Canucks, Kings, Blues, and Kraken, they are the eight teams, and the one team that we mentioned that we thought could sneak in was the Anaheim Ducks. Now, of course, the Oilers have played a little bit better under Knobloch as of late, um, but they have a long way to go. Do you see anybody cracking that top eight other than the Ducks and out of a long shot, maybe the Edmonton Oilers? Well, I mean, I, I actually, I think that, uh, you know, those teams that are battling, I mean, uh, I, I think the Oilers certainly have shown some signs of life. And the fact that nobody has run away, they're still, they're still relatively connected to the pack. So I think the Oilers really have to really keep an eye on right now. And I thought with the start they had, it was really going to be rough, but nobody's run away. So I think yeah. they're still in it. Um, the Ducks have lost six in a row. They're a rebuilding team. I love Greg Cronin as a coach. I think they're going in the right direction. But I, I think that's kind of, you know, I, I always felt it was kind of a bridge too far for the Ducks to get to the playoffs. But mm -hmm. I like the direction. I like a lot of their young players. The Calgary Flames have played a lot better lately. Mike Edmonton, I got to see the two teams up close at the Heritage Classic. I thought, I thought Edmonton was by far the better team. And we saw what happened since then. Uh, Calgary has played some better hockey. They got a really good win in Dallas the other night, uh, followed by a, a loss in Colorado. But, I mean, it was a back-to-back -back situation, so to get two points there, I think they're still in the mix. Um, you know, Nashville and, and Arizona, they're, they're kind of interesting things. teams. I think the problem for both of them is that they might be pushed only into a wild-card situation you know, along with St. Louis, because Winnipeg has played so well. Yeah, I mean, Winnipeg's eight and two in their last ten, and I when you look at their roster, it's I like their roster, and uh, you know, so it could be Colorado, Dallas, Winnipeg, one, two, three in that division, mm -hmm. and then you know, because I thought that third spot, might, that third spot might be available, and it might still be, but when I look at the teams, I draw a line between where I see Winnipeg's team and where I see. St. Louis, Nashville, Arizona. So 
I think there's still room for some of those teams to, to move up. But I, to Johnny's point, I guess it's, you know, when you look at it, I mean, maybe he's right. Maybe those eight teams yeah. are the ones that are going to be there. But I'm not necessarily a believer in the Blues. Um, the Kraken have been really up and down. I don't yeah. really love their goaltender. So I think that group of teams, you know, I think I think St. Louis, Seattle, National, Arizona, Calgary, Edmonton are the, are the six well, that are battling for two spots based where we're at. Yeah. Well, that was my logic because the top six, I think, are, are just too sound. Um, and especially the yeah. way Winnipeg has played, and I and I love the dialogue. I, I I just happened to put it on when I was driving home. You, you do a great job getting into it with Dan Rosen, holding him accountable for for his uh, <laughs> top team. It is such uh, Anthony. I don't know if you got a chance to hear it. He just he's so abusive to Dan, but in such a playful, fun yeah. way. Both friends of the show, yeah. and uh, and yeah. honestly, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I know it's a surprise. But you got to respect this Vancouver team. You just have to. You know, the top yeah. three scores, uh, their their goaltending's been terrific. They're, they've got the best plus-minus uh, goal differential in the league. I, I know it's odd because it's been a while since they've been this good, but I, I think it's for real. And the Kings certainly look like they're for real. Vegas, certainly, they're yeah. the defending Stanley Cup champion. I mean, there's just too many solid teams up top in the West to think there's going to be much movement. Yeah, I think you. I think so. I think we're in agreement. Those six teams at the you know St. Louis and Seattle, and then those Nashville, Arizona, Calgary, Edmonton are probably and like. I just don't see Minnesota. I just don't think Minnesota's got. They, they put themselves in a tough spot. I I, I think they're they're probably going to be on the outside looking in this year. And and thanks for the compliment about the we do a weekly spot with Dan uh, with the uh, he does a list for the NHL. Dot com. I guess the, all their writers do a list for it, but I guess Dan does his own list that he comes on and does with us, Super 16, every week, and it's a little bit of a power rankings thing. And Dan is a really good sport, and we're, <laughs> we're good friends. And like, but I do go, but I do go after him, and uh, you know, it makes it makes for a fun, a more fun spot. And uh, you know, in the end, like you know, I go after him and I beat him up every week. But in the end, I'm the bad guy. Right, he's everybody feels bad for Dan because I'm going after him, but uh, we have a lot of fun with that, and uh, I do, I do, go, I do challenge him on on pretty much anything he does. So <laughs> it makes for a fun spot. So thank you very much. And the Canucks yeah. are playing well, and they got off. Another team got off to a great start, built themselves a little cushion, had a weird kind of week because you know they lost to Colorado, they bounced back. I think they beat Seattle. Uh, they lost to San Jose, so it was kind of an up and down week. But they put themselves in a situ- in a position yeah. that uh, you know they're and they have they got a really good goalie in, in Demko. He's healthy. Last year at the start of the season, he was not healthy. He came in, didn't play well. Then they ended up missing like three months. Came back late in the season, healthy. They played better. It starts with Demko. Uh, Casey Smith has been a, has been a, a, a reasonably good backup. Certainly an upgrade on where they were at the last couple of years. Um, they've they've added some pieces to the defense. I'm missing Carson Soucy right now because you know he's a bigger, uh, stronger defender. But they have more pros on defense with along with Quinn Hughes, who who may be the best, you know, one of the best two or three defensemen in hockey. The way he's able to to control the game with his ability to handle the puck and escape. And up front, Pedersen has been great. Mm-hmm. Miller's been really good. Besser's off to a good start. I mean, they've got a good group of top six players. The question will be, it's like I talked about the Rangers with a lot of those astute signings. Will they get enough out of their bottom six in Vancouver if things start to dry up up front for a while? So that'll be a question that, that I'm sure they're continuing to look to add in that area. But 
Demko, and when you have those pillars, right? Patterson is your number one setter. Quinn Hughes is your number one defenseman. Demko in goal. I mean, that's a pretty good starting point for any franchise. All right, EJ. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right, you got it, guys. Have fun. All right. Really appreciate it. We threw a lot at EJ this week, but he handled it like a pro, like he usually does. Six games on the docket tonight, Anthony, starting with uh, your New York Rangers home for the Buffalo Sabres. You know, still waiting for the Sabre team to turn it around. The loss of Thompson certainly is pretty significant. So a real chance here for the Rangers to take care of business, go on a little bit of a run here. They were 3-1 and one on the road trip, come back. They beat Boston 7-4, wild, crazy game. And now you got the Sabres before having to take on a red-hot Red Wing team on Wednesday, and then you're off until Saturday in Nashville. So um, pretty interesting game tonight at the Garden with the Rangers and the Sabres. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you said, that's a, and that's a uh, national tele, nationally televised game, I should say, on Wednesday. Wednesday's going to be a busy day, Don, for us, actually. Did yes. you see this NHL PR email that came out just about an hour ago? I did not see it, no. Starter, one of the most iconic, innovative, and authentic sports apparel companies in the world, is collaborating with the NHL for a limited edition release of the Black Ice Collection. Have you yeah. heard about this, Don? No, I filmed the commercial. I have a, I have a raw copy of it. Oh. So I'm going to show it to yeah, you today when I, I show up that. to work. But uh, it was a lot of fun working with Carl Banks. We talked about it a little bit uh uh, last Wednesday, uh, and it's going to get released, and we're going to be over at the NHL store. So if you're in New York, swing by K Show three to six thirty. Yep, the event is from two to seven at the store. We are yeah. going to do our show from three to six thirty, free and open to the public. Special appearances by ESPN New York radio broadcaster Don Lagreca. There you go. Former NHL All-Star and current ESPN analyst P.K. Subban, and sounds by DJ Rhea. So this sounds like it's going to be quite the party. Yeah, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully some people can come down there. They they actually did release some pictures of the, uh, of the stuff. We've, of course, seen a little bit of it. It looks great. It's really cool. Um, a good. Uh, I have a black ice sweatshirt from a long time ago when the NHL did something with Reebok. This is completely different mm-hmm. with Carl Banks and Starter, and it the quality looks amazing. Don, the jacket you got looks amazing. Yeah, nice uh, leather jacket, really good stuff. And it's fo- it's going to be ahead of a very big game for the Rangers, like you said, Rangers Red Wings. So yeah, yes, and, uh, Bruins are at the Blue Jackets, who played a little bit better. Senators home for the Panthers. Looking forward to this one at eight o'clock. The Lightning and the Avalanche. Oh from yeah, Colorado. That's a nice one. Uh, Golden Knights and Flames at nine thirty. Forgot the best one. The Sharks and the Capitals. Oh yeah. Will Ovechkin get going here? We'll see. And the Sharks coming off of their fourth victory of the season against Vancouver. So. Um, Washington, who needs every win they can get, can't sleep on the Sharks team. Rangers will see them next Sunday um, in the second of back-to-backs for the Rangers. So uh, be careful of the Shark team. They're going to start to play better. I mean, 15-2 kind of speaks for itself. But This is um, a are-you-in-or-out game. Do you really love hockey? You staying up till 1030 on the East Coast to watch the Capital Sharks game, or are you going to bed? Well, listen, watch Ovechkin. It's it's worth uh, it's worth the price of admission right there. So, Anthony, great job. Let's do this again on Wednesday. I'm looking forward to it, Don. Now, we'll be a lot more interactive, obviously, with your uh, tweets on social media, at Don LaGreca and at Anthony Pusick at hashtag Game Misconduct. So we'll get into those on Wednesday. Should have a lot of fun there. We'll be back with you again then. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, DJ Raddick, Anthony Pusick. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.